0: We welcome you to The Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're continuing our series, The Christ Conscious Believer, and today we're on to part 18 And I said over and over that if if all of you paid attention to it, it, this singular teaching series can consolidate your understanding and grasp of the gospel and change your entire outlook in your walk with God. This one series. If you sit down with it and take it in and determine to do all that is contained therein, this one singular series is defining for your walk with God in Christ as a believer. The Christ conscious believer is evolving. In his nature and character. You are not the same as you were yesterday. You are conforming. more force. You are morphing. Right? You are morphing. You are looking at something. And you are becoming the exact replica of what you are looking at. Such that there is hardly a detectable difference. If any. That's what beholding as in a mirror. The image of God does to you. You begin to become what you are beholding. So if you are not becoming. It means you are not beholding. And if you're not beholding him, there's something else you're beholding that is responsible for what you have become. Because there's no believer, there's no person, let me say, that is not seeing something. You are what you see. Again, go and listen to it. There's no believer that is not seeing something. There's no person that is not seeing something. Every human being is the outcome of their perception. Every human being. Every human being is the outcome, is the result of their perception. So if you're, if you're not becoming Christ, it's because you're not beholding him. And if you're not beholding him, it's because there's something else that you're beholding. Because a human being focuses on one thing only per time. When it comes to sight, you cannot multitask. To be honest, it's not peripheral vision in your pursuit of God. It's not peripheral. It's straight up, straight up 20-20. Your eyes are right here. Right here. Such that everything else fades away. Everything else becomes a bokeh. Everything else. The depth of field is so intense on Christ. That everything else becomes a blur. In comparison. Such that it, everything else around you. Highlights the detail. Of what your eyes are intent on. That's the posture of understanding God's word. That's why in our church here for three years. We have not appointed anybody to anything three years in this church, we have been teaching God's word. We have taught God's word in this church for over 700 hours of teaching. 700 hours of teaching God's word. We are just about to release people into ministry assignments and offices. We're not stupid. Because if you don't grasp the fullness of God's word, you have nothing to give. You have nothing. Your money is useless. Do you understand? Your house that you are sharing with somebody is useless. The food you are bringing your brethren to share. Are you hearing me? It's useless. The person you helped get a job, because none of these things amount for eternal relevance. None of these things amount for eternal relevance. None. I'm not saying they're bad. Of course they're not. They're part of good works. that he he preordained from the foundation of the earth, that we should walk in them. Oh yeah, absolutely. But these things don't amount, these things are earth things. And next week, I think, if we finish these points today, our next point is where we're talking about the Christ-conscious believer is fixated on eternal things above earthly pursuits. That's the next point. The Christ-conscious believer is fixated on heavenly things above earthly pursuits. If your, your, your drive and desire is to be rich by all costs, you are not a Christ-conscious believer. And not, I, didn't, I didn't say there's anything wrong with being rich. I didn't. If you heard that, then, you know, voice, voices <laughs> are whispering in your head. I didn't say that. So we can do all those things and it doesn't amount to anything of eternal relevance. Because we miss the message. We miss the word. We miss what it is about. We miss what he... Is about so we're supposed to be conforming beholding him and becoming him do we get that yeah. so we, we went through that we talked about being progressively adapting to Christ right that was that scripture of second Corinthians 3:18 and then we bega- began to do a forensic exegesis of Romans 829 and that was a lot right we broke down the words you know conform the word somophos from soon and morphe two different words soon closely identified with closely joined together with and the word morphe, which means an outward expression that embodies the essential substance and that together form complete harmony with inner essence. So the, an, an outward expression of something that's on the inside, that when that thing finishes forming, it is a direct reflection of what's on the inside. That's why Christ is in you, inward. So as you are growing, as you're morphing, you're becoming him outwardly. So that outwardly in your actions, in your behavior, in your, in your character, in your manifestations, you are a direct reflection of what is on your inside. Some old time song says something about Jesus on my inside, walking on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life or something like that, right? That's the word conformity, to conform. And I, I, I explained as well that it's also a crucial element of, of a marriage relationship because that's a reflection of Christ and the church, that the woman morphs. To be like the man. Yeah, it's antithetical to expect the man to morph to be like the woman. That would be the church expecting Christ to change and become like it. And that's a doctrine of demons. It doesn't happen. Then we looked at image, the word ekonos, right? The word ekonos. Did we start this last week? I feel like it was two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, so we looked at image, ekonos, right? A conos, a mirror-like representation referring to what is very close in resemblance, right? And we looked at the word revealed, exegasoto. We looked at express image and then we, we now picked on the word character. Yes? Picked on the word character and talked about an exact representation of. This was two weeks ago? Okay. So we've been on this now for, this is our third week. Okay. Hallelujah. And then we moved on, we explored Character a lot. So by the time we got to character, it was the second, it was the second time. Awesome. And then we looked at firstborn prototokon, yeah. And then we looked at adelphos, right, brethren, all from from Romans eight twenty nine that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Adelphos from the word adelphos, which is which is mean which means same womb, right? Adelphos for womb. And then we now went to explore how it means we are, how we are all from the same womb, how we were born again, right? How God gave birth to us. Apokoo which means to mark the successful end of a pregnancy with the delivery of something, right? So God both fathered and mothered us. To establish that beyond the forgiveness of sins and justification, the giving of Jesus was by God was that other sons who are born of God through him will take shape according to him, right? According to Christ. So deeply and so closely in essence and substance, in such perfect harmony, that any difference between us and him is virtually undetectable. So this is only how we reflect his nature and character. And then we looked at how we reflect his nature and character in thought. Yes? Character, what is on display after all the undesirables have been taken out. We reflect that character in thought. We reflect that character in deed. Right? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Acts 10:38, 38, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy for God was with him. So we looked at that as well, Titus 2.14, a people zealous for good works, right? Yeah? So we saw that, and then we also looked at in speech, right? We reflect the character of Christ in speech. So a Christ-conscious believer is mindful of how they speak. A Christ-conscious believer is mindful of what they say. A Christ-conscious believer ensures that no dirty words, you know the word, remember the word dirty, sapros, in the Greek, which meant something that is rotting, rotting and smelling, you know imagine um, finishing to eat, and then wrapping up that leftover in the plastic bag and living there for, for six days, or for seven days. you know, It starts to bring a very, very unique fragrance. right? Very, very, very rotten. That's how a believer stinks when he doesn't season his speech with salt. That's how bad it is. Where you are just talking loosely. Nye, 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 nye. Then you talk nonsense. It's rather than spending time listening to the word. The latest trend is you who know, hear it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being current. But by the time we are all consumed with vain speaking, the speakings that do not edify, speakings that do not, you know how Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with salt, with grace edifying the hearers. So if it's not edifying, if it's not educative, keep your mouth short. Don't let it even be heard among you. Why? Because you are Christ conscious. You are Christ conscious. You you carry heaven. Do you know what that means? You host heaven. Divinity, the fullness of the Godhead. When you speak, we should hear God. We should hear God. When you, when you type, we should hear God. Hallelujah. And then we came to that, that the Christ conscious believer reveals his character or reflects his character and nature in his testimony. Right? First Peter 2 and 12. Let's look at that. First Peter 2 and 12 in the New King James says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That's among the heathen. Among the unbelievers. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's Let's see how the TPT puts this. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. So there's nothing in scripture that says you cannot mix. To be unequally yoked doesn't mean to not be mixed with because you cannot but mix. Do you understand? Jesus, Jesus praying in John 17 said, I do not pray that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. Does that make sense? So we are in the world even though not of the world. If God had no intention of you interpolating with unbelievers he would have just killed you and taken you to that heaven the moment you got saved. Don't you think so? But you're here on the earth, you will engage with people, right? Believers or unbelievers. Otherwise, you shouldn't be taking a cab because the cab you're entering is an unbeliever's cab. You know, you shouldn't go to the baba. You shouldn't do anything. But you will, you will mix with them. But the injunction is live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. So again, no matter how nice you, you act, there's unbelievers that will not just believe that you're right. Yeah, they believe you are preaching heresy. They believe you don't know what you are preaching. Yeah, they will still accuse you of doing evil. And for some of us who have just gotten used to, to, I mean, Jesus was called Beelzebub. Yeah, Jesus was called a Samaritan. Jesus was told he was demon possessed. Jesus, 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 Lord Jesus. You know, so it says, even though they accuse you of being evil doers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God. In the day that he visits us. So the testimony is important. Peter still speaking in chapter 3. In verse 15 and 16. 1 Peter 3. 15 and 16. But give reverent honor in your hearts. To the anointed one. And treat him as the holy master of your lives. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you. Always be ready to explain your faith. 16. With gentleness and respect explain your faith, not with aggression and confrontation, but with gentleness and respect. You can't be fighting to share the gospel. To share the gospel is not to win an argument. You're not the one that saves a soul. You're not the one that wins a soul. He that died for the soul is the one that won the soul. You plant the seed. The seed you plant will not germinate until it is watered by the conviction of the Holy Spirit who alone convicts the world of sin. Of righteousness and of judgment. So, to declare the word is just to, to put it out there. Jesus, the word, preached the word and people did not believe. Why are you taking this so personal? The word preached himself. He came to his own, John 1 11, and they received him not. Declare the word. It's not your place to win a soul. And by winning a soul, you know what we mean? Winning a soul. You must invite them to church. Make sure they come. Make sure they call. Take their number. Chase them down chase them down until they show up in church because you believe that once they show up in church that's the, that's the end and that's how we have gotten a lot of unbelievers in church who are not evolving in character but they are just going through the civil service and being promoted level after level you know what's happening in civil service, level after level you come in as brother you know, homestead leader you know, minister deacon Elder, you know, assistant pastor, head of unit, pastor or deputy pastor, then pastor, then branch pastor, then reverend, then reverend doctor, because it's hardly pastor doctor. You know, the doctor always goes nicer with reverend. So you have to be reverend first, then reverend doctor, then apostle. or Now apostle is bigger than bishop. So you have to be bishop and then now step it up to apostle or the other way, bishop, apostle, bishop, arch. It's only Pentecostal Pope that we don't have. Because Pentecostals, we, like this, we cannot have one Pope. It's a lie. The Catholics have one. We, Pentecostal, who is going to be the one Pope? No way. No way. Everybody will popify their way. You don't see popes ordaining popes. <laughs> Next level. You have a college of popes. A papal college. Come to induke, Eh? You know, <laughs> you know induction. Induke you into the But <laughs> Because that's charismatic. Will not, take my word. We will not have one pope. Will not be, all of us should just answer to. One man. No, now how many cars does he have? How many congregations does he have that we that we don't have? How many buildings does he have? How, how many vehicles? How many private jets does he have? Four. I have five. So if he's a pope, me too. I'm a pope. Very soon we will have more popes than members. Everybody, pope everywhere. And so while treating the church, the local church, the ground and pillar of truth, as civil service. Promote you every year, you're looking forward to hearing your name announced in the National Convention to know if you have made it to the next level. If you don't hear your name in that workers meeting, you know that okay, you have two, 12 more months to hustle and better your record. so that next year's convention workers meeting, but an adventure, your name will come out. God is not involved in that. That's not discipleship. It's not, it's not in a hustle. It's in the testimony that we maintain with gentleness and with respect. Maintain a clean, let's go on, conscience. So that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ, so you see, our, work, our life in Christ is a life unto purity. Right? Grace calls us into purity. Let me say that again. Grace calls us into purity. Grace does not excuse impurity; it takes away impurity to call us into purity. So that you, you, if you keep maintain a good conscience and live a pure life in Christ, those who have to lie, those who have to lie about you, and will be ashamed because of their slander. Look at verse sixteen again, verse sixteen from the top. Maintain a clean conscience. So that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because of their slander. You know what that means? They'll have to lie about you in the sense that you are living a life of purity in Christ and they know that all they are trying to fabricate about you is a lie. Not that what they are saying could remotely be true. Or because there's people that lie about people just to remove the amount of cleanliness. To smear them so that other people will not take them as serious, especially in what they call Christendom. Hmm? Christendom, there's nobody, no sect, no cult, no secret society as professionally astute in slandering each other as Christendom. No, every other cult comes together to help their members rise. Every other cult. The Christendom cult is threatened by the growth of anybody that is not attributed to the king makers. They will come together and pull you down because you are not in their branch of the cult called Christendom. Because somehow Christendom does not believe, and I think I'm teaching prophetically tonight, because I'm not even gotten to where I want to go. Somehow, Christendom does not believe that there is space at the top for everybody to rise. Somehow, Christendom is threatened by any star shining in its time. Because you see to everything scripture says there's a time. And it sees to every matter under heaven. Under heaven. That's why you cannot measure your life by earthly accusations. You cannot. You can't. You can't measure a life number. Oh, we have 200 people coming to our church. 300 people coming to our church. Our church is a happening church. Another one will come and happen after you. So you cannot be doing ministry to happen. Because the happenings, to the happenings, there will be never, there will be no end. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your music is tight. While the tightest church musically, a tighter one is coming. He's still somewhere trying to fight to answer the call to ministry or on the other hand try to scheme how to enter the ministry Either that way they will enter whether they got a call from god or a text or whether they are the ones that call god into the ministry they will show up so you can't be in that rat race you can't be in that rat race it's pointless but in christendom once anybody starts to shine it, we don't need unbelievers to tear. We, 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 Christians, we tear each other apart. Throw everybody. Tear, ravage each other and rip everybody apart. Because somehow, you look at somebody, the person is growing. <sighs> you cannot possibly grow a- along the same. Have you seen Muslims? On Attecon Drive, Attecon Junction by Marion? Yeah, yeah. the three suya sellers there are owned by one man. The one man supplies... And they all sit and cohabit and do their thing. Nobody's trying to outsell the other. Ask them, they will tell you, "I do not All is coming from the same source, and then they will tell you the next thing: Muslims, they tell you the next thing, "I do not The one who will sell is as God wills. That's a Muslim. Isha Allah, as we as God wills the popular Yahuzeh, Suya spot in Abuja, the guy had somebody that served him and served him and served him. After a while, he released the guy, set the guy up and set the guy up next to him in the same place. Release, you know, after you do freedom. Yeah? Release the guy. Put the guy. He came and asked him, are you not afraid that this guy will, you know? He said, no. He said, whoever Allah wants to buy from me will come to me. Whoever Allah is destined to buy from him Will go to him. There's nothing we can do outside the will of Allah, a Muslim. A Muslim. Somebody dies and they tell you, Allah's will. It's Christians that want to either want to question or not question. And again, I've said there's no issues with questioning. Just brace yourself for the answer. But Christendom, Ah, we're going to slander. Yeah, that pastor did that. That pastor, that, that pastor, that pastor, that, that pastor. Just so that you can keep your own and maybe even steal some of his own. But our security is in what Jesus did. Our security is in what Jesus did. Hallelujah. So our testimony must be upright so that people that are speaking to us have to be lying about us. The other day I was walking in, I was walking in the, the, you know, the, the walkway, the boulevard inside spa that leads from the entrance to the actual... Spa itself. And I was walking past people who were talking about Pav heatedly. And I went past them. I was walking, I never walked fast. If you have followed me to spa before, i went, not in a hurry. I was wearing shorts and a t shirt. And I literally slowed down and walked past people who were talking about Pav like they knew him, gave birth to him, raised him, and have a CCTV of his life. In their houses, and Paul went past them, and they knew him not. Maybe now that we have been streaming for <laughs> a few months, peradventure they may knew him now. <laughs> and we are good at talking and stuff that doesn't edify, but in our testimony it should be such that those who slander us have to concoct lies about us. it's Like Jesus, they had to bring lies up. Against him, to convince the Romans to turn against him, they are to convince people. Philippians two fourteen to sixteen. Philippians two fourteen to sixteen. Do all things without complaining and disputing. <laughs> Believers, do how many things? How many things? How many things? Without complaining and Disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Play it again do all things without complaining and disputing. T.P.T. please. (laughs) Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe Offering them the words of eternal life. I haven't labored among you for nothing. For your lives are the fruit of my ministry and will be my glorious boast at the unveiling of Christ. The message, 14 to 16. All things, all things, all things without complaining. Eh, Why do we have to do this now? Why do we have to come now? Why do we have to give now? Look, Look at the message. Do everything readily. Somebody say readily. And cheerfully. Say cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. That's kingdom culture. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go on. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Remember when Dr. Basi said that as sons of God, when you go out, you're supposed to dispense civilization to the world provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Those are strong words. It ties essentially ties the integrity of our sonship. To the testimony that we exhort in the earth. To the testimony that exhorts. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. No divisions. And the drama. Too much drama. So that even when you give, you have, you have released negative energy. Does that make sense? In, why should we give? How much does someone give? Some people actually tell you, come back to me when so and so have given. Oh, yes. Believers. Christians. Intro- Come back to me when so-and-so have given. How much do you have? What's it your piece? Your and you're not asking how much do you have as though you want to make up the rest. Do you understand? How much do we need? 400,000. How much do we have? 100,000. Ah, my 10,000 is not... Come back when you... At 350. No bickering. No second guessing. No negotiating. No negotiating. You're either giving cheerfully or you're not giving. Don't bother. But if you're doing, you're doing everything joyfully. You're told to cook. You're told to teach. And then some of you out here I will give you instructions. Simple instructions. You say, I'm your pastor. I tell you, do this. You can't do it. I say, just do this. Get up. Don't wear this. Wear this. Act like this. Stand like this. Sit like that. Ah. That's when every rebellion in a believer kicks out. You go to the bank, they tell you, stand here. You stand here. You go to the market, the person will tell you, I come. I will wait. I will do customer. You wait. You go to the doctor, lift your leg like this, you lift. Put your behind like this, you put, stretch out your hand like this. Some of you, they have given you injections on the bomb. You didn't know that the injection could have been given to you in your hand. Because you're very obedient to the doctor. The guy does whatever he likes, amen? And vice versa. You, believe, you don't question anything, he's doctor. How many of you ever went to a clinic and a doctor came in into the consulting room to look after you or to attend to you. And before he said anything, you're like, doctor, please, I'm not trying to disrespect you or anything, but please, can I see your medical license? Or you've gone to a pharmacy here, any of the pharmacies, and as they were dispensing, you see a girl, a girl! Can't speak proper English. Hasn't gone to school. A boy, say, you have headache, you have this... you need... uh, You need... Tramadol, you need cyclophosphine, And they'll just grab it from the thingy and sell to you. And you buy it and have faith in it. You didn't ask the girl, Did you, are you a pharmacy intern? Are you studying pharmacology in university? Are you a qualified pharmacist? No, she's just a girl who is learning the job the way that a tailor learns to sew. They just be watching the ogre selling the medicine. The ogre self, you don't know. You don't see his license. You don't know who is the actual pharmacist in the pharmacy. You just walked into a drugstore. And when it comes to the things of God and you're given an instruction by God's word or an instruction by the people that God put in charge over you, no, 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 no. no. That one, who are you to tell me what to do? You are carnal. canal. That's the one you want to second guess. Message, right? Philippians 2.14. That's the one you want to know, why should you tell me this? Or, eh, it's, not like, it's not like what you told me was wrong, but it's the way that you told me. And so you will refuse an instruction because of the way you think it came. Because an instruction should should pat you on the back and stroke you the way that you like before you do it. Your testimony is questionable. Your testimony is questionable. And that, that limits the amount of boasting that can be done of you. As you see in that scripture. By those ahead of you. Those in charge of you. Those that have rule over you. It limits the amount of boast. And so rather than be up and doing and be about your father's business and doing it with zeal and zest and, and readiness and cheerfulness according to scripture. And that's one you want to Why should we do this? Why do we need this? And I've encountered that before. Careful what you fight against. Be careful. Social media is of the devil. Social, every pastor now is shouting on social media. No, no bickering. No second guessing allowed. And we do what we're called to do. Joyfully. Cheerfully. We give cheerfully. Serve cheerfully participate cheerfully, share cheerfully, call to pray pray cheerfully call to share, share cheerfully call to sing, sing cheerfully wash the toilets, cheerfully cheerfully tidy up the premises, Chef, some of you feel too big to do some things As some of you also feel big to do it among other brethren but you will do it nicely with pride when Pav tells you to do it you're a witch you're a witch if path tells you to do it, you don't get off, <laughs> Because you're doing it as unto the path. You're very foolish. are very foolish. But when somebody says, wisdom says, okay, come, let us gather and do this. It's too small. That your, your level in the civil service of the church is higher than a junior staff. Do you understand what I'm saying? A junior level, call you and say, let us come and clean the hub. Who are you to tell me to come and clean the hub? But if Pav says to me, come and clean, you come. Mm -hmm. You're the one to be marked and avoided. And that's how after a while, God will use good news to remove you from the church. You see, people, we don't understand that God's judgment against sin was his love. God's judgment against sin was not Vengeance. Do you understand? His vengeance was re- expressed in love. Do you understand? The soul that sinned, it, it must die. Did the soul die that sinned? Yes. How did it happen? He took all the sin and put to one man and killed him. And just before you would think, ah, did that man even deserve? He, he came as the man. So you not saying he just took some random. Imagine, okay, imagine that Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Scripture has it. Isaiah walked around naked for three and a half years. Until today, prophesying, to today we are still having issues with that. Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. First of all, some people are it wasn't, it wasn't even real because of how terrible it sounds. Hosea married a prostitute and then go and buy her back when she has run away from you to another man's place. Ah, wh- how would you do that kind of thing? So if God had told Jeremiah or Ezekiel or whoever and says, you know, I'm picking you to go and die. You would say, uh-uh, what did Hosea do now, you just carry his life. You messed it up. You told him to marry a prostitute. He married. He gave birth to Loami. He gave birth to Jezreel. He gave birth to Loami, Lorohama, and Jezreel. Not loved, forsaken, and rejected. Kai. What kind of names are those? Then he didn't do you. You now said, they should. He should carry all the sins of the world and go and die. You'll be like, What kind of God is that? So God came as the sacrifice, came as man. To pay the price to God for man. So was sin punished? Did God judge sin? Is God's vengeance against sin complete? Did you pay it? Is your sin judged? Has God been vengeful against your sin? What did he use to make out his vengeance against your sin? Love. In the same way some of you are praying for people to die. Before you can get... There are some people that when you are praying for them to die so you can be promoted, God will give them a higher promotion to so vacate the one you want. You want to be director. You want to be director. You want to be director. You want Father remove, Father kill, Father burn. How about Father making palm sec? Because my next logical step in this thing is director. If he goes from director to palm sec, he has made space for me to... And then you yourself recommend and push this person into palm sec to make space indirect. And by the time you feel ready for palm sec, that person should go from palm sec to commissioner. People don't have to die. Why are Christians so testy about killing people? Why? Any little thing, die. 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 By fire. Thunder of God. Where? Where is the thunder of God? What do you know about thunder of God beyond what he himself told Job? Do you know where I keep Thunder. The battle, you know, came up. (laughs) See, God have thunder hill, storehouse, lighting of God, thunder fire of God. Where? People should die. We're so bloodthirsty. They were screaming, Boko Haram is killing people. If the people that are dying by Christians are truly dying, then Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, Boko Haram, and ISIS have not killed as many people in the world as Christians have. If the people Christians are dying, are truly dying because of the prayers of the Christians, then there's nobody in the history of humanity that has committed as much genocide as the church. I said this publicly and without apology. If the people, I repeat for the third time, that are dying, are truly dying because Christians are praying them dead, then there's nobody as guilty as human blood as the church. And yet, the world is not the better for the people that the church has killed. Yet, the church is not be- The world is not better off. Because if you're killing everybody and they're dying, the world should be becoming better because of your, your death. But no. we are killing people and you're convinced that they're dying. You're testifying on social media that you prayed and somebody died. Christians jubilate when you believe you prayed and somebody died. You're like, God answered your prayer. Get ready because somebody has put a bounty on your own head. Somebody's about to get into prayer and you're the subject. And you cannot say your God, what your God is more powerful than the God of the other person who also genuinely believes that his God can kill you for him or her. You see the nonsense we're wrapped in called Christendom or Christianity that is absolutely no reflection of the character of Christ. Christ. A Christ-conscious believer would not want death or judgment for somebody that even wronged them. No. Stephen showed us that example in Acts chapter 6, I believe. Same thing Jesus said. It was the same thing Stephen said. He said, forgive them, Lord. These people that are stoning me do not know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing. I don't know what they are doing. That's the character of Christ. That's the character of Christ. So your testimony is, is that you are mirroring. As I said last week, I believe it was that discipleship following Jesus is copy and paste. You're mirroring Jesus. Mirroring the Father. Straight up. No negotiations, no second guessing, no bickering. Joyfully, cheerfully, the word says to do this. Put Philippians 2.14 up on the screen, the New King James. It says, do all things. Somebody say all. All things. Without complaining or disputing. Why should we do this? I think we should do that. And then we didn't do your own. You get upset. New King James, you get upset. Do all things without complaining and disputing. So it means therefore, continue, continue. That you may become blameless and harmless. So there's a lot of harm and blame that exists in the church because we're not doing all things without complaining and disputing. Does that make sense? There's a lot of harm and blame. Because we just will not agree and do something as it comes up. Nah. Nah. Somebody must, you know. I've said over and over when we did the vision casting for this ministry. I, I made you guys understand that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's not ruling party and opposition. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Theos, God. It is His system, His culture, His message. Full stop. No negotiating. You don't get to vote on what God wants to do. You don't. You don't get to vote. Your opinion doesn't matter until it is placed the demand upon. That's order in church. It's not you that will come and say, Pastor, let's do, why do you do that? Why did you decide to do that? And, and it's happening. I mean, personally, I don't think I mean I know I'm not the pastor, but personally, I don't think you should have approached it that way. Because me, I would the way you have become Absalom. Absalom wanting to take a throne before it's your turn. I've told you, all of you that are believing God to be path, believing, get ready. Your turn is coming. I'm telling you, you get what you pray for. I mean, I'm not afraid though. No, 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 no. I'm not afraid. You, if you empower shoes, you will do it like this. No, the shoes are plenty. That's why I'm discipling. So you can wear the shoes. I want to go on holiday. I want to. I want to make a few babies. Natural ones. It's hard to make babies by correspondence. And the church say. Mm, mm. But there's only so much you can do, sir. From 4,000 miles away. So no, I want to take on. I'm not, I'm not going to keep myself up. I know it's not do or die. It's to raise you. You want to wear shoes? Come and wear. It's shoe. Come away. Oh, me if I was a pastor. If I was, you know, if I was pastoring, like you... He's <laughs> coming. You desire it, Abby. He's coming. And when it comes, please email me. Let's talk about how you're doing. But until then, if you don't want to usurp what that, that which pertains to another to come into yours, I become Absalom that pitched his small throne at the gate. You remember that story? Some people are coming to see David. You know, say, hey. Oh, if only I was king. Eh? The way I would solve this your matter. And he began to turn the hearts of people away. Do you see how he ended up as fine as he was? And, and scripture says that these things are written to us for our learning. Right? Romans 15. How oh, if I was me? you know, I would not, I would not do like this. So I would save it. But then if you have a pastor like me, I would generally, even when I know what to do, I would call some of you that are around me. So what do you guys think? Let's talk about this. No confusion, no whether you, you suggest what you need to suggest, and eventually I'll still do what the Lord has told me to, to do. And, and, and those of you who are growing know when the Lord has link, linked us together and his agreement in what he will have us do. And somehow, no matter what is thrown at us, because we're in agreement about it, he gets done. So that we are blameless and harmless. No issues, no drama. No drama. Most of those dramas come when everybody feels like I get a vote on what should be done in church. That's when it comes. But if everybody's committed to doing everything without complaining and dispute, there's no need for drama. Zero drama. Drama goes out the door. Can we do this? Oh, who said it? Does it matter who said it? Isn't it the Father's will that this gets done? Isn't it in the benefit of the local church that this gets done? So it gets done. That's when we are Christ. Conscious. Are you getting this? Yes, sir. And our testimony is conscious before us. And we walk without blame. And we're pure. Hallelujah. Last point. In the Christ conscious believers. Evolution in nature and character. This is important. Our reflection of Christ's character. Is also expressed in deeds. In doings. In results. Let's use the word results. He's reflecting his nature and character in results. That means what Jesus got as results, you should get as results. John chapter 7. I hope somebody's getting instructed tonight. I really hope so, especially. If you're in this local church, there's some nonsense that will stop the moment that we apply Christ consciousness to our lives. Everything just stops. Everything. John 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, this, he spoke concerning the spirit whom those who believing in him, those who believing in him would receive. For at that point, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. He who believes out of his belly or out of his heart will flow. And that was figurative, you know that, right? You don't know when you believe, you stand there, you arrange your belly, you know, (laughs) with a flow. Flow, flow. <laughs> Ain't nothing going to flow. Because it's it's a manner of speaking. Like a hyperbole, yeah? The manner of speaking, you know? It's not literally in that sense. Out of his belly, or out of his heart, and the heart re- represents your, your essence, your spirit shall flow rivers of living water. And what was that rivers of living water? The spirit. So there's no second guessing. Yeah? You see right there, it said, this 39, he spoke concerning the... Spirit, so out of your heart shall flow without measure the Holy Spirit. You get that? Now, based on this, let's look at Acts chapter 10 and 38. The Spirit, right? And he said, those who believe in will receive. Because at that time, they had not received it, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? That was the reverse of living Water, right? Who went about, with Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And we're not trying to explain that because Jesus himself explained that. He said this, he spoke concerning the spirit whom those who believing on him would receive because at that time, the spirit had not yet come. Make sense? Okay, but Jesus operated by that Spirit. Okay, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. I'll just show you a few, just a few, and then we go on. Luke 4 and 1, you see that, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. So that was the enabling factor in his life, right? Right? And he that believes, according to Luke 7, out of his belly shall flow the spirit of God. From his heart shall be dispensed the spirit of God. You making sense? It's a scripture that I just dropped in my heart that I want to. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's Galatians chapter 3. Ah, yeah, 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 yes. If I don't find it, I'll leave it. I'll come back to it. Yes, so Galatians 3, 5. How does the old King James put Galatians 3, 5? Therefore, yes, that's it. King James says, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit. New King James says, He that supplies to you the Spirit. And worketh miracles among you. The word and in the Greek is the word kai. I've explained that to you before. And it can mean that is. Yeah? Yeah? Or IE. Right? So he that supplieth or he that ministereth the spirit to you as in the working of miracles among you. Yeah? Oh, come on, man. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The important element there is that the spirit is ministered or supplied unto the working of miracles. Does that make sense? So these results we're talking about are only possible... By in a believer by the Spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus returned filled with the Holy Spirit. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit, which is power. Are you are you, are you getting this? No, not, not, not as though they are two separate entities. Yeah. Hear what he tells him in Acts 1. He says, For you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So whose power? The Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit, which is Holy Spirit, that is the power of God. Who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed? Are you are you getting this? Okay, so we are consistent with. His results by the Holy Spirit, okay? Look at this one. Very popular scripture that if we're talking results, we cannot talk, we cannot but talk about. John chapter 14. And <laughs> I love <laugh>, that laugh. <laughs> John 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Because I go to my father. (laughs) I'm sure all of us know that scripture. I'm sure all of us have heard that scripture preached to us. The question now becomes, if we're mirroring or reflecting the nature of Christ in our deeds and he says greater works than this shall you do because I go to my father the question becomes what did he mean when he said greater works and the average response to that instantly becomes the miracles that Jesus did right this works if you look at the discussion in this particular point of, of John 14 you'll find that when he said these works shall you do there was no, in the immediate context, there was nothing about signs and wonders. The last recorded miracle was the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. Okay? John chapter 11 was the, was the last recorded. And a lot of time had transpired between John 11 and when he was having this conversation in John 14. Because you see... um after John 11, you know, they went on from there. Many Jews believed, you know, and then they, they plotted his death. So Jesus went into the country, to a city called Ephraim. Yeah, John 11, 50-53, and stayed there for, for a while until the Passover was near. And then Jesus spoke, yeah, and went to the Passover. Then Jesus came again to Bethany in John chapter 12. Yeah? So time had passed. Okay? That's where the his feet were anointed and, you know, washed with the hair and all of that, and Judah said what he said, and then the next day there was a feast, and then Jesus went into Jerusalem. Triumphant entry, right? And then from there there was they had a meeting with some Greeks among them, you know, the has come the Son of Man be glorified, and all of that, and then they moved again in verse in chapter twelve and verse thirty six. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed. So he left again and was hidden from them. Make sense? And then we we continue right up to chapter 13. Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world, and then the, the whole thing happened in Jerusalem, of course. He identifies his betrayer. I'm trying to show you the timeline of his movement. Okay? And then um, Judas went out to go and do what he needed to do, and then in 14, in the end of Jesus of. Um, chapter 13, Jesus has to speak to them about, will you lay your life down for my sake? Right? Verse thirteen, eight of th- chapter 13. Will you lay your life down for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crowd till you have denied me. Three times, re- responding to Peter's yeah, inquiry, right? You, why, why can I not follow you now? And then he, asked, he continues in 14 verse 1, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, where I go, to, you know, and the way you know. Jesus, and then Thomas asked him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, <laughs> and I am the life. This he said. Lord, we do not know where you are going. Verse 5. The word there is Kai. That is to say, in other words, how can we know the way? And Kai. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How much more is even starting to talk about knowing the way? Do you understand? We don't know where you are going. That is to say, or talking about this, the way. We don't even know the way. Jesus replied, both me and where I'm going are the same. Where I'm going, I am the way. (laughs) Where I'm going, I am the truth. So where I'm I'm going, I'm telling you the truth. And where I'm going, I'm the life. You can't come to the Father. He said, by me. Seven, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, (laughs) you see these guys, verse eight philip said lord show us the father because he had said no one knows the father except through me so it was a smart question just a smart uninformed question because the question was a logical question following from the conversation of we don't know where you're going how much more the way okay now jesus now said i jesus i'm the way i am the truth i am the life no one comes to the father except through me it's logical for philip to then ask okay since you are the way to the father now show us the father Do you understand? So it's important not to cherry-pick scriptures, okay? So legitimate, logical question, but uninformed. Jesus now said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the truth of the Father. Jesus is the life of the Father, and Jesus is the Father. When you travel through Jesus to get to the Father, it's Jesus you will see. (laughs) He's the door. You enter the door. He's the way. Follow the way. He's the truth. You walk in the truth. He's the life. You receive the life of Jesus. And then when you get to the Father, Jesus is standing there. Because Jesus is what the Father looks like. Jesus is what the Father looks like. (laughs) Ha, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Verse, verse 8. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, watch this, does the works. That's the first mention of works. What is the works? Releasing the message of the father verse 10 stay with me carefully now don't blink do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me mm? the words Okay, let's switch let's switch here verse 10 we'll come back to Nick King James please switch the, to the person translation tpt don't you believe that the father is living in me and that I am living in the father even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. So at this point translation speech to them let's hear let's see how the NLT put it. translators start to struggle with defining these works. but we'll walk through it. you are not afraid of exegesis. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Do we have amplified? I, I, we're going through this together. I haven't checked this, this, this verse in the tr- tr- translations. We're doing it all together. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, the words I say, I do not say on my own initiative or authority. But the Father, abiding continually in me, does his works. Then they now open a parenthesis and says, he's attesting miracles and acts of power. The word works is the word ergon, if you remember. Let's look at the Greek and see how it renders the word work. And I'm right, the word rendered work in John 14.10 is the word ergon. Erga, which is plural for ergon. Okay? Which means to accomplish something. Yeah? A deed, a task. Now, these translators, go back to New King James. These translators have rephrased ergon to mean miracles. King James, give us good old King James. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? and the Father in me, the words that I speak, what is the context now? What Jesus is talking about? The words that he speaks. Yeah? That their spirit and their life, right? The words I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. What then is the works in this context? No, 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 no. Stay with the text. New King James, verse 10. You get it. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. What is the works in the context of this verse? The words. That Jesus is speaking, that he is speaking not of his own authority. What words was he referring to? The message of the gospel. The words I'm declaring to you are not my words, they are the words of my Father. Make sense? It is not me who is speaking on my own authority, but it is the Father. Who is dwelling in me that is doing the works? The works of what? Speaking. The words of God. The gospel. So, in the time that the first time that the works are showing up in this context, it is referring to the words of the Father. There is no insinuation, there is no allusion, there is no inference to the miraculous in this conversation. John 14 and 10. One more time. Those of you who are watching, please let us know that you are getting this. Okay? Let us know that you are getting this. Do do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me? The words that I speak to you. The words that I speak to you. I do not speak on my own authority. The word words in the Greek for the words that I speak to you is the word remata from the word rema which means the utterances of something the mind of the father concerning a particular matter see so the rema that I'm releasing to you is not of me I'm not speaking of my authority but the father whose rema whose will whose mind whose message it is is the one doing the ergon he's the one accomplishing this work Does that make sense? Yeah. So, what is the works? The releasing of the rema by the logos, Christ the Word, revealing the mind of the Father in or transform Remata. Who is achieving that? Theos, God. Make sense? Father Patri. People are getting. I'm getting the feedback. Are you following so far? Okay, let's go back to John 14. John 14. I repeat again. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. That's the first mention of that word. "erga" from the word Ergon. 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And the work here is also the work, the word ergon or erga. If Jesus is saying here, believe me because of the miracles, then we have a problem, Caleb. Because he, Jesus, was not believed because of miracles. John, go back a little. John, Chapter 12. This is a chapter after Nazareth was raised. John chapter 12, verse 35. Let's look at this thing carefully. Then Jesus said to them, stay with me. I said, I said to you, don't blink. A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light. That you may become sons of light. This was not light as in salvation in that sense. But light as in Jesus that came in the flesh. According to John 1. And that light was the life of men. Right? The light shines in darkness. So, believe in this light. Because after a short while, this light is going. He wasn't saying the gospel is going. But me, son of man, who is light, is going. But if you believe in me, you will become sons of light. Because at this point, he was speaking in a promissory sense. you He had not died yet. Okay, so now see 37. Ooh, 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 ooh. But although he had done so many signs before them. See the next line. They did not believe him. So that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their eye, their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw the glory and spoke of him. 30, 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. So he did miracles, signs. And he was not believed. If he now comes here and he's saying, in verse 12, therefore I said to you, he who believes me, oh, where are we? We're in 11. Believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, if he were referring to the miraculous, he would have said for the signs. He would have said, believe me for the signs themselves. And the word for signs would have been the word mean. Miraculous power, but it's not the word used. The word used is the word when it comes to what to to, 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 to signs is the word works, which is the word erga or ergon. Let's see, John, that was John 12, right? John 12 and that was 37. This is Bible study, you know? Yeah, we look through it together. Forensic exegesis, no rush. I don't have notes like that that we will look at. So, but though he performed so many signs, and the word for signs is the word semion, which means a typical uh, something typical like an, an indication, yeah, a mark, a token, something that emphasizes the end purpose, right? While exalts the one who is given it. Yeah, that's a sign, a symbol, or something. But we know, if you remember from the STP, those of you who are part of it, that the word signs and wonders are also from the word Do mean. Which means the miraculous. We don't have that here. So Jesus is saying here, believe me for the works and not the signs. He didn't say believe me for the signs themselves. Because people had seen signs and they didn't believe. But the works in the context of John 14 have nothing to do with signs. At least not from this. So the question now becomes what then is the work or the works That the father is doing. Through Jesus. Hmm? We need to understand those works. In order to understand verse 12. When verse 12 says. Most assuredly I say to you. He who believes in me. The ergon that I do. He will also do. It will be mischievous. And a gross asegesis of scripture. To revert ergon. become Semaim or to become Dunamin because that will not be us lifting meaning from another context to come and superimpose on this text in order for us to tell the text what we want it to read like. Are you guys following me? I repeat if I can. (laughs) For us to lift these works to become something else will be for us to take meaning from somewhere else and come and superimpose on this text so that we can make this text read to us the way we want it to read. But the mention of the word works for the first time in this narrative happens in verse 10 and it was not referring to the miraculous. Do we agree on that so far? We have seen it right from scripture. The word there is the word "ergon." Let me show you one more scripture I just dropped in my heart. John, same John. Just back, go, go back a bit to chapter nine. John chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Let's go from verse one. This will excite you. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Hmm? And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? See Jesus' reply. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Please, the works, the word works, there's the word erga. Which is from the word Ergon. Can the works there be referring to? Oh, neither this man's father or mother sinned. God just made him blind so he can show he's a miracle worker. Verse 4. I must work. That's the verb of the word Ergon. The works. The word ergon from the word Ergon. Of him that sent me while it is day. This is the same writer, same book. Same use of word. So it's, it's important to investigate what the fullness of what Jesus said the works are. He said, I am speaking. Not of my own authority. Hmm? The father who sent me. He's the one doing the work. The work of what? Declaring. If we say that work works is signs and miracles, then we are insinuating that that's what Jesus came to do. But there's nothing that suggests that he came to do that. I'm not saying he didn't work signs and miracles. We must be careful to not conclude that that's what he came to do. If we conclude that that's what he came to do, then it affects our theology of interpretation of John chapter 14, verse 12, about works shall you do and greater works. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. Ay, 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 Are you a word in life? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Mark 1:38. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. But he Jesus said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Now, this part of my notes, I say with every sense of pride and joy, this part of my notes were formulated by my wife. Yes, if you're clapping, clap, it's not easy because when i mentioned it when i mentioned it she didn't sleep she went and started studying i go home that night and she asked me what were the works i said but woman you think i'm going to tell you go and study so she stayed up that night and the next night studying and then she comes she said i want to preach to you i said yes ma it's part of empowerment and growth and discipleship me i'm very proud right now mark 138 she showed she brought the scripture out mark 138 but he, Jesus said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also for this purpose I have come forth. What is the purpose he has come for? To preach. What is preaching? Saying, keruzo. Do you remember? Keruzo. Keruzay. Keruzete. That's one word preaching from which you get to declare, to be a herald of a message. John 14. The words I speak to you. Uh, let me take you back to John 14. The words that I speak to you, they're not mine. Right? The words I declare to you. What I'm saying to you. The word saying is the word lego, Which means to speak, to mention, to tell, to call. Does that make sense? To command. To move something to a conclusion. To bring your message to closure. The words and what I'm, what I'm declaring to you, what I'm announcing. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own, but my Father who sent me is doing the work, right? What is the work? We said is the message of Christ, right? The message of the Father. These other scriptures are lending credence to it as in Mark chapter 1 and verse 38. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For This purpose I have come forth. TPT. Jesus replied, We have to go on to the surrounding villages so that I can give my message to the people there, for that is my mission. (laughs) The message. Jesus said, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. It couldn't be any more clear. But just in case you're thinking, "Mm," Luke 19 verse 10. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It, it, it pleases God, Paul says, that by the foolishness of preaching to save. Yes, sir. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And that, how does that happen? By the works of God. Not by signs and wonders. Yes, signs and wonders do not save anybody because Jesus did signs and wonders and they did not believe. T.P.T. Luke 19.10 Luke 19:10, Luke 19:10. 10. The 10th verse of the 19th chapter of the epistle of Luke to Theophilus. <laughs> Hallelujah, preach, preacher. Luke 19:10. Okay, starts from verse 9. Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you and your household for you are the true son of Abraham. The son of man has come. To seek out and to give life to those who are lost. You see that? Mark 10.45. Mark 10.45. Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by anyone, but to serve everyone. How? And to? Remember and? Oh, come on. What a abiding house. Remember and <laughs> But to serve everyone, that is to say, to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. Did you see that? Put in New King James, 1045 of Mark, in New King James. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. and that is, to give his life a ransom for many. I then added one more scripture to the scripture she showed me. 1 John 3, 5 and 8. First John three five. I mean, this is very clear, and you know, look at this, that he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him, of course, there's no sin. He was manifested to take away our sins. And now, how does he do that? By the preaching of the gospel that we believe, and therefore receive salvation. He who see, go on verse six. 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. This is referring to the unbeliever. Right? 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8, he who sins is of the devil. The sinner is of the devil, not the believer who sins is of the devil. That's not the context. And that's not the story for today. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Right? Jesus cannot be saying that any believer who sins has suddenly become of the devil. I don't have time to go into it now. He's not saying that any believer who sins is of the devil. Because he was telling them, I write to you that you may know that you have eternal life. He can't be telling be- believers that they have eternal life, at the same time telling them that if they sin, they are of the devil. Yeah? Okay. I don't have time to do the exegesis today. But verse 8, he says, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Mm? from the beginning now see the next line for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil please in one word what is the works of the devil sin it's clear from the text if he who is sinning a sinner basically is doing the work of the devil so when jesus came to Destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to destroy witches and wizards. He didn't come to destroy you or stop demonic oppression. He didn't come to break the backbone of poverty. Are you following me? He didn't come to crush barrenness and fruitlessness. No. He came after one enemy because in the value chain, yes, of God. The enemy is one. Sin. Why do you have iniquity abound? Why do you have evil abound? Sin. Why are there witches and witchcraft operating? Sin. Why is there demonic oppression, suppression, and depression? Sin. Why are people bound in bondage and needing deliverance? Sin. So, Jesus came after the enemy. He went straight for the root, not the fruit. Straight to the root. And that's why Ephemiah for for forgiveness is the same word for deliverance. If you're following me and you haven't followed our series, I beg you, go and follow. It's my salvation truly forever. Go and listen to that series. You see that the same word used for forgiveness of sins is the same word translated deliverance. It's not a separate occurrence from the forgiveness of sin. In the forgiveness of sin is deliverance. In the forgiveness of sin is healing. In the forgiveness of sin is acceptance. So he came with a singular assignment that by the preaching of the message of God, by declaring the works of the Father, the sinner is made a saint. That was the works he came to do. Are you following me? So he came to preach the gospel. He came to reconcile men back to Christ. And he came to establish his kingdom, to serve and not be served, and to save the lost. Make sense? She writes, and I read, which is very easy for me. He mandated us to go and make disciples. I've showed you that scripture before, Matthew 28. Go into the, all the world. To reconcile men back to God. 2 Corinthians 5.8 Because He has we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. To dominate the earth from his kingdom. And this shows you a good student because this is from understanding this gospel. And to colonize the earth as his kingdom. Does that make sense? Somebody now, oh, okay, let me, let me go ahead of my, Let me go, let me go. So, we now ha- know the works that he was doing. Declaration of the gospel. Yes? And Jesus says, greater works than this shall you do. Because I go to my father. So it turns out that Jesus is not even... I mean, there are people that have... Scholars. Ah, I don't want to call names. There are scholars that have done exegesis on this text. And they have concluded that it is signs and wonders he was talking about. But he wasn't saying that we would do more than him. Because have you... Like I said to you guys in my teaser... Two, three weeks ago, how many extra dead have you raised? If Jesus walked on water, to do greater works than Jesus, you have to walk on water, walk on the clouds, and at least walk on fire. At least. So you can have done what he did and then do more. You get it? Or if you want to walk on water, since Jesus walked on water when there was just a storm, you have to wait for tsunami. And then during tsunami, I'll show up, walking on water. Me, I will come out of the boat and follow you. <laughs> I'm not very proud. So it cannot be referring to greater in the sense of I I, I wrote something here. I don't know if I don't know if it is written. I, yes, I wrote something in addition to wrote. I said we are not called to beat the record of Jesus, but to continue His work. It's not a competition. Jesus raised one, we raised two. Ah, Jesus, see, our elder brother, but we have passed you. That's not what he was insinuating here. So it turns out that what he's saying was when he says, You will do greater works, he was saying, You will continue the proclamation of the gospel in greater scope, in greater impact, in greater reach. Because he did everything he did in three and a half years, and he was gone. And you have a whole lifetime because you are now born again. You are a completely brand new Jesus. But how far did Jesus go? Just Decapolis. Just the, bond, the boundary of Israel and Syria. That's Decapolis, where he healed the man with, with the legions of demons. Decapolis is the area or the region of 10 cities Deca 10. That's as far as Gentile territory. As Jesus went. Otherwise, he was Jerusalem, you know, Galilee, Tiberias, Capernaum, yeah, Bethany, Mary, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' place, you know, Jerusalem. He was within what you call maybe a two or three hundred mile radius. Everywhere he went, he walked. And look at us now, here, right now, in Calabar, speaking the same word, the same gospel. And you are there in Canada. And you are listening. Jesus didn't do that. This is greater works. Are you following me? You, it's greater in scope. It's not that he did miracles. The, the, the context is not miracles at all. Mama wrote here. We have been equipped and have more time to preach the gospel. Teach about the kingdom and colonize the earth for him. That's the greater works we are to do. Miracles, healings, And wonders, signs and wonders are just tools to help with the work. And then I added here, I have to add, you know, I'm divorced. I said they don't always help the message. Miracles, signs and wonders. No, no. Moses came, Aaron, throw down this thing. Aaron went, bah! Rod became, what did it go with? A message. What message was they, what, what, what did they have? The gospel? I don't have time to show you to you. They went to darkness, the custodian of darkness and said, "Charlie, it's time. Oh. It's time to jailbreak these people. Salvation has come for them. Sin. you're losing your grip. Slavery, you're losing your grip. Bondage of the law, you're losing your grip. Works, you're losing your grip. All of that was typified by the leadership of who? Pharaoh. So Pharaoh signified the world system that held the church bound. The called out ones bound. They were called out but they were bound. So what did Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh with? The gospel message. Because as they were leaving, how were they going to be living By baptism. Gospel message. I don't have time for that today. So when you read, hey, Pharaoh, you your clean, straight out redemption story. Straight out Jesus, the systems of this world in, in, in the war for the salvation of the church. It's, it's clear cut. So they show up and tell Pharaoh, salvation has come to the chosen ones. Hey, how can you do that? We're going to fight back. Same thing they did to Jesus. So, Okay, Iran, show them power. They declared the message. Rod became a snake. Nice snake. Very laughed. See what's this? A baby snake. Boys, show them that this power we too we have. And all the sorcerers threw down. And all their rods as well. Became snakes. Straight up. Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Their snakes. That means when Aaron's rod became a rod. It was the same rod. Not fatter. He just ate up all these other guys' rods. So at the time that Aaron had his rod back. These other guys were rodless. And Pharaoh still did not receive the gospel. Still did not believe Jesus now comes and declares in Satan's territory. Satan, Pharaoh. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. Comes and says, for this purpose that have come that I might destroy the works of the enemy. He now shows signs and wonders. <laughs> Satan is you people doing odishi What is this? What we too we can do? Didn't the apostles meet a sorcerer in that city that was doing stuff and bamboozling people? So they don't exactly help the message. If they did, then Jesus should have had people believe More. Because of signs and wonders. Jesus did signs and wonders, he refused. So it doesn't suggest that. I have to end this at this point by asking you a question. I wrote on Facebook today, I don't know if anybody said I said miracles don't market the gospel. The gospel markets itself. The gospel markets himself. Let me end with these thoughts. Are we here? Let me wrap this home. The question now comes up. Ah, Holy Spirit, can I go into this today? Oh, Jesus. Shall I try? The question then becomes how about Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19? Where Jesus entered the te- te- temple and took the scroll of Isaiah and said, quoting Isaiah 61, and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Da, 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 da. Please let's, let's look at it carefully. For he has anointed me to preach. The gospel mm? <laughs> are you here Luke chapter 4 verse 18 quoting Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me or because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor mm? look up if he says poor and your mind goes to physical poverty then you have missed the ministry of Jesus because it says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, I believe, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's how you're a Bible student. So you instantly define the context of poverty. Because if Jesus was sent to preach the gospel to the poor, it means that the rich do not need his gospel. But if you follow and understand this gospel, you'll remember that the gospel is relevant to everybody, regardless of their status in society. So it, the poor here cannot be alienating the rich as though the rich do not need the gospel. Poor in spirit are those that are without spirit. They have a poverty of the absence of the spirit of God. So they are not regenerating their spirit. And regardless of their material acquisition, they are therefore poor. Bear that in mind. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Same thing because there were people that were crying for salvation while not knowing who was going to bring it. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Again, that was not physical because if it was, then he failed. If you're looking at it from the fact that Israel was still in bondage to the Romans when Jesus left. (laughs) Because if that was the captives he was coming to set free. how? And that's why the Jews still today are upset with him. That you came to set captives free and we're still in captivity. They expected him to re- lead the Maccabean revolt, to lead the revolt against their Roman captors at the time because they thought he was coming to set them free physically. So they called him to make him king physically. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So to proclaim liberty to the captives was not referring to physical captives. It was referring to the captives of the mighty. Ah, I don't have time to show you that. Captives of the mighty are lawful captives. Lawful captives are captives of the law held in bondage until faith will be revealed not physical captives otherwise every prison just have been broken free after the cross after the crucifixion there should be no prisons and recovery of sight to the blind those who cannot see the light of the gospel to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the devil on account of the presence of sin and to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord how does any of that refer to material things? All of it boils down to what? The works of the Father. The message of the gospel. It's the only message. Remember, I said it's a salvation package. It contains everything the charger, the, the earpiece, you know, the, the everything. If you remember that message on the sign of the gospel, yeah. But it's a message of the gospel. It's a message that kills sin. For this purpose, it was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Are we there? So all of Luke 14, Luke 4, 18 and 19 is describing one miracle, salvation. Recovery sight to the blind. You know, acceptable be of the Lord. Setting captives free. Preaching the gospel to the poor. All one miracle, salvation. It's the greatest miracle God could ever do. It's the greatest miracle God can ever do. To regenerate a man who is otherwise dead. And in the twinkling of an eye, he's the son of God. No miracle surpasses that. No work surpasses that. There's no dead you can raise that equates with the light of God flooding an otherwise dark heart and giving life to them. There's no work greater. No work greater. I mean, to to prove where we started tonight, remember the Holy Spirit energizing? You shall receive power. Jesus operated by the Holy Spirit and he says, wait in Acts 1.8 until you be endued with power from on high. What happened when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2? Peter just gets up. That Jesus, whom you crucified by your wicked hands, but by the foreknowledge of God, that same Jesus, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And they were cut to the heart and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? That same day, how many men, besides women and children? 3,000. There's no such record of Jesus having such repentance record in his three years ministry. Even the the multitude that came and followed him, the 5,000 that he fed, men and children, Men men besides women and children. There's no record that a bunch of them repented. Shall I show you why? Shall I show you how? Luke, John chapter 6 verse 1. I I think it's verse 2 I need. But I I will show you. Luke, chapter 6. A chapter after. After Jesus spent time doing crusade with them. John chapter 6 verse 1. Fed them. Twelve baskets full. John 6 verse 1. I will go to my... After these things... Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberia. See verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which they performed on those who were deceased. Not for anything to do with the message. Not anything to do with the message. Not anything. So they came and poof, preached. Preached. Whoop, three, that, that same day and go and read the book of Acts God was now adding to them daily such as we're being saved daily such as we're being saved daily such as we're being saved that's why I told you God is not afraid of what you call mega church it's your structure that is a problem greater works you're doing greater in scope greater in coverage greater in impact spreading the message of the gospel God is not interested in how many sick you can heal. I don't, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to heal the sick. There are some of you, look at me, look at me carefully, look at me carefully. Some of you, till Jesus returns, you will never work a miracle in the earth. You will never work what you call a miracle. You, in other words, let me use the word signs and wonders. Because that is not the validation of your sonship, and because you may have that gift, and you may not. Oh, pastor! How about Mark chapter sixteen verse seventeen? Does it not say, "These signs shall follow"? Let's go there. Mark sixteen seventeen. <laughs> and these signs, eh, Sermon hmm? will follow those who. Believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mm? We all know this, don't we? Who who spoke these words? Jesus. Mm? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, eh? And members individually, 28. (laughs) I love God's word. And God has appointed these in the church. By now you notice I can preach to myself. Have you you, you noticed by now? I can teach you, only me in the room. (laughs) And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gift of healings. Administrations. Helps, administrations. Varieties of tongues. See 29 in book. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? See the next one, it will disturb you. Are all workers of miracles? Stay there and switch to the TPT. Because they were rhetorical questions, TPT reverses them and says, Not everyone is an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. Not everyone performs miracles. Go on. Or has the gifts of healings or speaks in tongues or interprets tongues. The message 29. Are you in word and life? <laughs> But it's obvious by now, isn't it? That Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic unidimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker. Keep going, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. Mark 16:17. <laughs> Mark 16:17. This is Signs will follow those who believe, eh? They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They, in fact, the TPT says these are some of the signs. It doesn't even list them as exhaustive. I think it's TPT or the message. Put the TPT up, this same verse. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Go back. What was the message? 16, 17. Yes, there's a message. These are some of the signs. So it's not exhaustive. That will accompany them that believe. They will throw out demons in My name, they will speak in new tongues, they will take on snakes in their hands, they will drink poison and not be hurt, they will lay hands on the sick and make them well. So now we have a problem. You agree? The problem is either that Jesus is lying. Mm? or that Paul is lying or that we do not understand both Jesus and Paul but you see scripture always interprets scripture on the one hand Jesus is saying this sign shall follow them that believe in my name they will and more on this other hand, Paul comes and says, Is everybody a miracle worker? In fact, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Let me make it worse. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Let me go back a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4. First Corinthians 12:4. Switch to the TPT. Let me see how TPT puts this. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties. Somebody say varieties. Of gifts. Verse 5. The Lord Yahweh is one and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries or service. Diakonos. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results. Through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Verse 7. Each believer is given a continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not himself but all. Go on. For example, are you here? Verse 8. For example, the Spirit gives to how many? One, the gift of a word of wisdom. Two, another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation, knowledge. And to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith. So not all have the gift of faith. And not faith as in saving faith. Also not, sa- not faith as in pleasing faith. As in the faith without which no man can please God. But faith as in the ability to audaciously believe for the impossible at all times. That's the context of faith being used here. Not, not faith as in saving faith. Not faith as in um, pleasing faith. Not even faith as in doctrine of faith. But faith as a gift. To believe for the impossible. I believe. To another. The same spirit gives gifts of healing. Go on. And to another. The power to walk miracles. And to another. The gift of prophecy. And to another. The gift to discern what the spirit is speaking. And to another. The gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another. The gift of interpretation of Tongues, remember verse 11. It is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Even Jesus did not operate in all these gifts in his earthly ministry. There's no record of Jesus speaking in tongues. There's no record of Jesus interpreting a tongue. There's record of Jesus discerning the thoughts of men's heart like when he said, feed them, and he knew what he would do. Does that make sense? There's the, there's the gift, the record of Jesus operating in faith. To believe that with men it's impossible, with God, all things are possible. There's a the record of Jesus walking in the miraculous. Does that make sense? Given a word of knowledge and prophecy because the testament of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But not all the, the gifts are, are, are on record in the ministry of Jesus. And maybe they were there, but like I said, on record. Then Paul says to each one, to each one, to each one, but Jesus said this and shall follow them, that believe. The question is now to look at the language of Mark 16 and see what Jesus was actually saying. Mark 16. I close with that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, and I'm closing with this. He said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes. That's individual. He who believes will be baptized. And is baptized will be saved. And let's not even talk about baptism today. Because he said to them, baptize them in the name. He didn't say, baptize them in water. Baptism. <laughs> Baptizo. Just means to soak somebody into something. Yeah. And say, baptize them in the name. Drench them in the authority. Onomatha name. The authority. The realization of the name of Jesus. He didn't say baptize them with water. The disciples themselves, post-resurrection, did not immediately understand the context of baptism. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his family, after Peter first fought God, to tell God, God cannot send him to the unbeliever. That's somebody that God told Caleb, Matthew 28, go into all the world. The first opportunity you had to enter the world outside Jew, you, you say no, it's unclean. Remember when the blanket appeared to him with unclean food? Go to Colinius, my friend. And he got there and he was preaching and he was still shocked. That's why God did not wait for Peter to finish. Scripture says while he was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on the man and his household. Now, for those of you that believe that Holy Ghost baptism comes after water baptism, and Holy Ghost Baptism itself comes after confessing of sin and repent. Are you following me? I repent. They were still hearing the message, and the Holy Ghost lashed them with the infilling of his spirit, all of them. Then now Peter comes, still trying to understand new creation reality. Peter now says, Ah, see oh, Holy Spirit has fallen on Gentiles. Is there sea water? Is there any reason why this should not be baptized? You don't carry people that already had the Holy Spirit and put them inside water. And we say these things, and you think, ah, who are you to say these things? These guys did not immediately grasp new creation realities. Because, one, okay, you must confess, you must repent. These guys did not even have the opportunity to say, oh, we are sorry. We are caught to the heart, oh. We repent of our sins, we confess. What? Some people don't believe me. Acts chapter 10. I'm trying to close. People are doing this to me. Stop doing this to me. Acts chapter 10. I'm trying to close. Can't you see I'm trying to close? Acts chapter 10. Verse 44. Acts 10.44. Are you there? While Peter was still speaking these words, while, during, in the process of, in the ongoing occurrence of Paul, speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all. All those who heard the word. All that's the work. Oh, that's the works. That's the greater works. There's no record of Jesus speaking, and Holy Ghost fell upon everybody. Jesus spoke the calling Samaritan. See you. That's why Jesus now told them, He said, You see here the things that I expect you guys to do. If I'm here with you, you cannot do it. Are you following me now? So it's helpful for you that in this mode I go. So now, now I can enter you. Because by the time I enter you, guess what? There's billions of me in the earth. There's billions of me in the earth. And boom, he's everywhere. The Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jews. Yeah? And the, the proselytes, the ones who had converted from, Gentiles who had converted to, to Judaism. Were believed, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. But Jesus promised it now. For they heard them speak with tongues instantly and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that this should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So because Peter had been baptized in water, By John, Jesus did not baptize anybody. He made it clear in scripture. And the baptism of John was for repentance. Uncle had already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is a seal of your salvation. Which repentance do you want to be baptized in water for? But why did Peter do it? Just as we have. We are baptized in water. We have now also been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now they've only received baptism in the Holy Spirit. They also should receive baptism in water. That's why eventually it takes a while, but it dies out. And they understand that this baptism is actually the Holy Spirit. Because John himself, the person that started the baptism, said, me, I baptize you with water unto repentance. John said it himself. But the one that is coming, Will not baptize you in water. He will baptize you. With the Holy Ghost. And with fire. He will baptize you. With the Holy Ghost. That is. Fire. You, you understand? He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Which is. Fire. When Jesus rose and those guys on the, on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, what did he say? He said, did our hearts not burn as with what? Fire! When he spoke. When he spoke. What was that reflective of when the guys were joining out of Egypt? A pillar of cloud and fire. The spirit of God. The presence of God. Types and shadows of his Manifestations. And carry people who have been baptized in the. Why would Paul then come and say in Ephesians, for there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism? If there's water baptism and Holy Ghost baptism, then that's two. that would have been told, I mean, at least two baptisms. But you see, we argue these things unnecessarily because we don't rightly give orthotomio. Take your time. That's why I don't like to rush teaching. I don't like, even from England, they always say, ah, if you're bringing power, half time, oh. It's having notoriety for so sticking to the word, it takes time to unpack this word and understand it thoroughly. It takes time. It takes time. Don't rush. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. John himself, John, 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 you want to argue for baptism more than the founder? The founder of the baptism. When baptism was bring, brought about unto what? I don't have time. I, I'm sure somebody's watching. That's why I'm staying here for a few more minutes. I have to go so I can finish this thing. We, but John says, that baptize you unto repentance. We saw that with Israel. Metanoia, repentance. Change your mind. They refused to believe that Moses was, was sent of God. Why well, come i pass and the Red Sea? Exodus 14. Why are the people crying out to me? God told Moses, tell the children of Israel to move forward. 14, 14, 14, 15. In moving forward, what did, what did Moses tell them? He said, "Today, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will rot in you today. It's the salvation of the Lord. You don't believe and You want to go back because there's Pharaoh behind and there's mountains on the left and right. You will see what God will do now. You will change your mind. Oh yeah, water baptism. Phew, enter the mercy. After that, somebody also comes. A Gentile. By the name of Naaman. Read your Bible, not as Bible story. He needs salvation for he was oppressed. Leprosy was synonymous with sin in the Old Testament. In the law. He came full of sin. Leprosy. Came to the servant of God, Elisha. Who said, this is not a problem. This deliverance that you need is not an issue. This deliverance is hidden inside your repentance. Just understand that the God you came to ask is enough to do this thing for you. And to prove your repentance, to prove that you, you know that God is able to cure you. Enter water. Baptize yourself seven times in the Jordan. What was that? Baptism of repentance. It wasn't the water that cured Naman. The water was him subjecting himself to believe that God is able. That was a type and shadow. Repent, baptism for... Repentance, not baptism for salvation. Otherwise, Naaman would have come out of there, born again. His leprosy was taken away because he now believed. So for him, it was a faith miracle more than it was a miraculous healing. Because if he had arrived, Elisha believing that he could have been healed. If he had arrived, Elisha telling Elisha, I came because I believe your God can heal me. He would not have needed to touch water. Because he would have come position, preconditioned to receive what he came for. Even when they told him go to water, I say, this water. When I have cleaner waters in Syria. That's right. He didn't have understanding. So enter repentance. Go and change your mind first. Let this thing humble you and show you what is to come. Then somebody has received God. The faith that he even receives, believes, is a quickening and activation of God. You now subject the person to water. That the person should come out of water a brand new person. What is the person when he became a new creation and were reconciled to God? So the Holy Spirit quickens. Up. A person cannot be born again without the working of the Holy Spirit instantly inside them. Instantly. It's an instantaneous act of God. He who and is, his believes and is baptized. He who believes and is immersed into Christ. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. He who. He who. He who. He who. Believes. Yeah? The category of people that believe. Category of people that don't believe. The category of people that therefore believe. Verse 17. These signs will follow. It was not saying... That these signs will follow everybody who believes. Verse 16. Two categories of people have been established. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. One category. He who does not believe will be condemned. Second category. Are you following? Now, to the category of people who believe. These signs shall accompany them. Not this sign shall accompany everyone who believes. The pronoun was just adjectivizing those that will believe and what signs will be seen among them for believing. It wasn't announcing that every sign will follow everyone who believes. Does that make sense? When you see young people today, in a gathering of young people, you will have smartphones. Does not suggest that every young person in that gathering will have a smartphone. But to distinguish this category from that category, this category of people will be known for having smartphones. Because they believe. Caleb, are you getting it? Are you sure? These signs shall follow those who believe. In other words, look among those who believe. You will see these signs. Or else would have been said, everyone... the, the, The adjective would have been different. The pronoun would have been different. Yeah? Everyone who believes... These signs will accompany everyone who believe. That's not the original rendition. Those who believe. The word is tois. It's a definite article in the Greek. T-O-I-S. It comes from the Greek word ho. It's a definite article. It appears over 9,000 times in the New Testament. This sign is a general article. This sign will follow this categorization of people that believe. Does that make sense? Not this sign will follow everyone who believes. In other words, among if you look at young people, let me tell you how you know young people. Face cap. That face cap is bent like this. It's not straight. Smartphones. Yeah? Um, colored hair. Plated hair. That's, yeah, you, you define that. But you will come to young people and you see one whose jeans is not sagging. You see somebody whose heart is straight like me. I don't like I've not bought a lot of baseball hats recently around here because I realize it's so annoying when you want to buy a baseball hat, they've already bent the front of it. And I like my baseball hats straight out. I don't like them folded. So you see some people, you see some people with smartphones, you see some with dumb phones, you see some with no phones. So the fact that it says that if you look at young people you will see that they are wearing socks and sandals doesn't mean that all of us wear socks and sandals. People have said of our church, oh, what a vibrant house. It's a church of young people. Not everybody in our church is a young people. We have a healthy mix. Same way. So you can't say everybody in our church is young people. You can't say that. So scripture doesn't say this time we follow everyone, it says this time we follow those. Categorization, definite article this category of people, you look among them, you will see those who will need to take up snakes and serpents and it will not harm them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, if it's everybody that will take up snake, how about those that will never see a snake in their lives? It means Jesus lied. is that not so? How about those that will never need to drink poison? So you have to now go and look. For, that's why some people have been doing stupid things. The guy in Ibadan in the 80s that went to the zoo. And enter Lion Cage. And he had not finished entering. The other guy in South Africa recently that went to try and walk on water. And another guy in in Arizona in the US who went into where snakes. Where? To take up snakes. And they took him up. Because God did not send you. But yesterday, day before yesterday, yesterday, day before yesterday, I saw somebody, a pastor in Calabar. I believe, yeah, in Calabar. Who displayed photo of a big snake. That he could not explain how the snake entered his room. And he was praying and he saw the snake coiled under his study table. And he killed it. That guy has had an encounter with snakes. And has manifested the need to overcome them. Or at that point, the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12 activated that gift to subdue a snake as this guy had need of it according to God's will. Not that everybody will take up, oh boy, some of you, if you see a snake, some of you will need to run. And there's somebody else who will take it up and deal with it. Are you following me? God has used me to work miracles. I pray for people that have gotten healed. Some of you are here in this room. Amazing things have happened. But when I, it's a gift of healing, me, I have a brother, Reverend Ume Okeke. Me, I know that he operates in the gift of he likes sick people. Ugo, Ugo likes just bring sick person. Sick, he will come and say, Ugo is disappointed if he's in a meeting and there's no sick people. Who goes disappointed if he says there's some of you here and you are sick in your body? Rise of God is going to heal you now, and there's nobody. Kai, you have not you have spoiled his day. Give me sick people, me like this, Alexander Victor, demons. Ah, oh, you know my story now. Oh, demons! If Holy Spirit did not give me that gift, me. I would have given it to the Holy Spirit so he can have it to give me. And somebody else will see demon and be like, hey, 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 hey. Leave it first. I was watching a video of one lady. One guy was trying to cast out a demon from a lady. The lady slapped him, beat him. He had to start fighting the girl. beating her. Held her by the neck. In Jesus' name, I bind you. He was choking the girl. Beat him. He now lifted her and did her. Slammed her. Slap, this lady was slapping him, slapping Jesus. He now choked her, bent her down. And then, shabada, shabada, kadam, Nonsense. That person does not have the gift. Is it he helping anybody? Yeah. So it would be a problem if Jesus now uses subjective gifts to measure greater works. Yeah. 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 Because the Holy Spirit gives to each one as he wills. Oh, Pastor, this man shall follow them and I believe. No, some we will never follow you. But some will. Somebody will speak in tongues, somebody will interpret. So, listen. So, there's people that will dabble into it here and there, but there's people that operate in it full-time. Some people pray and release utterance in the spirit. M- more rampantly, more evidently than interpreting. But then, there's nothing wrong with Desiring. You desire the Holy Spirit activates as he wills, not as you will. So don't come under pressure to perform. The only thing you are mandated to do is to continue his works in greater measure. It's okay if you pray for a healed sick person that didn't get healed. It's okay. It's okay. If he wants to activate it in you, he activates it. Others have the gift. They're looking for sick people. Do you understand? Others are looking for demons. And you, they will beat you. And you are a son of God. Is this helping anybody tonight? So when we say you will continue and you will evolve in the nature and character of Jesus in results, don't think that your salvation brings you into direct competition with Jesus for performance. No, just declare the words, the foolishness of preaching. Second Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Somebody say preach the word. word. Be ready or instant in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. There's no singular time Paul was addressing Timothy and he told him, thou shalt walk miracles. Teach, exhort, correct. All scripture is God, God breathed, right? From that, when I was a youth, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15 Therefore teach, exhort, encourage the elderly, encourage the young one. Exhort, correct, reprove, instruct in righteousness. Never once does Paul tell Timothy, you must walk miracles. You must heal the sick. Timothy, if you are going to prove your ministry, you must raise the dead. Timothy, Titus, if you guys are going to allow these people to respect you enough to ordain them as bishops, you must perform. There's not one time do you see miracles, signs and wonders assigned as validation of pastoral ministry or of ministry in any sense. Did Timothy do a few things? I'm very sure he did. You cannot be in the Corinthian church and not display power. <laughs> you, you cannot be in Ephesus. Where they were worshiping even gods that you know the great gods of Ephesus that had no name. You know a thing or two about operating the supernatural, but Scripture is silent on that because that was not the emphasis. So we have now majored on the minors and minored on the major. And all preachers do, all work miracles. So by all means, excel indeed, excel in the character of Jesus. Preach the message in languages that Jesus did not preach it in. Are you following me? Go to territories Jesus did not go to. Use mediums. If Jesus was on the face of the earth today, he will have a highly followed Twitter account. Highly. He would. He would use whatever mode of transportation was available today. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be going from here to UK and thinking of trekking just because he wants to be modest. So that's where we come in with greater works. Greater in scope and in impact. Greater because the spirit now dwells in us and he does his work through us. Do you not know, understand Ephesians 2.10? You are God's workmanship. Created where? In Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Ergon. That God preordained that you should work in them. And what is the good works that you are working in after Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5.18. The ministry of reconciliation. Does that make sense? The ministry of reconciliation. And all of the ministry of reconciliation is what? Salvation through the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do. Luke 4:18, reconciliation, binding of the who were broken-hearted, delivering those who were oppressed, causing deliver, of recovery of sight to the blind, and preaching the gospel to the poor. All of that was what reconciling men to God. Because for this purpose the Son of God was made manifest that He might destroy the works of the enemy. What is works of the enemy? Sin. For he who sins is of the devil. That's the works of the devil. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. He was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil by doing the works of the Father. What is the works of the Father? Declaring the message of the gospel. It boils down to the gospel at the end of the day. It boils down to the message of Christ at the end of the day. I just showed you how Pharaoh heard it. That's how Abraham heard it. Different modes, same message. Different modes, same message. That's how Gideon heard it. That's how Joseph heard it. That's how Egypt heard it. Same message. Hallelujah. Ooh. Just pray in tongues for a few seconds, everybody, man.. <laughs> Oh, lambas There's nothing wrong with desiring gifts of the Spirit. But remember that the Lord gives to each one as He, the Lord, wills. Okay? As He, the Lord, wills. Identify what is at work in your life right now. Consolidate on it. Make the best of it. Do you hear what I just said? For tonight, some of you will instantly realize by the conviction of the Holy Spirit what your strength, your strong gifts are. Does that make sense? Tonight, you will receive activations. Tonight, as the Lord deals with you, you will come into understanding of what your primary strong gifts are. Does that make sense? Instantly, you will know. Okay, I'm not supposed to be running around trying to do everything. Does that make sense? I'm not supposed to first Corinthians twelve I'm not supposed to be running around trying to do everything. There is a particular thing that is at work in my life. I have utterance, I have word of knowledge, I have the gift of prophetic speaking in tongues. I have the gift of understanding tongues. I have the gift of discernment. Do you understand? I have the gift of administration, the gift of helps. I have the gift of teaching. I have the gift of praying. You just know instantly. I have the gift of the miraculous. I have the gift of faith. I can believe. And you leverage on it. And here Paul says in 31, But earnestly desire the best gift. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. So by all means, desire the best gift. But remember that earlier he says, The Holy Spirit gives to each one as he wills. So when the the important thing is, That's why you understand how all of us now need each other to be the body of Christ. Because if everybody could do everything, Nobody would need anybody else. Do you guys understand what I said? Yeah. If everybody can do everything, nobody needs everybody else. Only you can walk miracles. Only you can heal yourself when you're sick. Do you understand what I'm saying? Only you can prophesy yourself. Only you can interpret yourself. Only you can discern yourself. Only you don't need anybody else. And that's why no one person can be the church. It's a sovereign it's move of God to ensure that he keeps everybody in the church dependent on each other. So desire the gift. Desire that God activate this gift. me. You know I would love to prophesy. You know I would love to. You know I desire. I will serve you with this and trust that Lord, but I am yielded to your will, as your spirit disperses to each one, as he, God, has need of it. Does that make sense? Listen, go back, play this over. Tonight again has been a lot. Go back, play this over, over. Chew it, eat it. Chew it, eat it. Chew it, eat it. Activate it in your life. And we'll see you next week, Tuesday. Good night. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to infobasileucommission.org or visit our social media platforms.